Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. This is Jonathan Munshaw uh, back for this. is my first episode, actually back after several months off. Big shout to Nick Biasini for taking over the show in the meantime. Today, I am joined by Eric Peterson from our DRT team to talk about spam email and specifically uh, tax spam. Thanks for coming on, Eric. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah. So real quick, since this is your first time on the show, can you give folks a quick overview of what your role is at Talos and what specifically you research and work on? Absolutely. So my background, um, I've got about 14 years of anti-spam experience at this point. Worked for a number of different companies to get to this point. Uh, Currently head up email threat research at Talos, which is a globally distributed team of folks. Uh, We have researchers, uh, SMTP experts, and data scientists. And our focus is on generating the content, like heuristic rules and business rules uh, related to anti-spam, as well as the reputation systems, you know, looking to drive you know, industry-leading protection for our customers. So I wanted to have you on this week because there, there's really two times of year, two times of the year where I'm hearing talk about spam a lot, especially from like the marketing PR side of things. And that's tax day and then like Black Friday, Cyber Monday in in November. And so tax deadlines coming up in the U.S. here in about a month and a half. So I wanted to have you on to kind of talk about the specific types of scams and phishing and whatnot that we see around this time of year. So just I just want to start out by asking you about like volume. Is it kind of true that we see a specific uptick in the amount of spam and phishing volume that we see around tax season in the U.S.? Yeah, so from a volumetric point of view, uh, yes, there are typically increases around significant events, whether that's holidays or tax season or COVID or earthquakes or tsunamis, that sort of thing, purely because it's an opportunistic environment. You know, any, uh, an attacker is going to try and uh, leverage any opportunity uh, based on public interest to initiate an attack. Now, speaking more generally about the threat landscape, you know, the, the model that we saw 10 years ago, 15 years ago, was much more kind of as you were describing, where we'd see these massive increases in volume uh, of campaigns around significant events. And that that's kind of moved on. That's a little bit of a thing of the past. We don't have the, the heyday of the botnets um, driving those sorts of behaviors today. Oh, in the, the old days, we'd see a campaign go from zero to millions of messages a day and then just be generally short-lived. And, and then those botnets would be recycled for you know, similar or new campaigns uh, thematically. Um, today, what we see is more you know, kind of consistent volume, uh, but it, uh, the attacks are presented in a way that's a little bit more intelligent and persistent. So pretty much, obviously, like tax season will come and go just like Black Friday and Cyber Monday do. And then generally what we're seeing our adversaries do is just kind of move on to whatever the next thing is or like whatever the ma- next major current event is anyways. Yep. Yeah, returning to kind of normal business operations. Yeah, the the trends that are common today are mostly business email compromise, um, account takeover, email account compromise, those sorts of things. Uh, and then it can be you know any number of kind of recycled tactics, um, generally either leading to you know, second stage infection or remote access. Those sorts of sorts of goals. So specifically this year around tax season, uh, are there any particular trends? or uh, anything like that that you're seeing that really sticks out to you or like any examples that you feel are kind of noteworthy about 
any particular like topics that scammers are hitting on or tactics that they're employing? Based on past experience, spammers are going to recycle the things that are successful, right? So generally speaking, we expect to see more of the same, and that has been true for us this year as well. A lot of the typical themes are you know, around tax refunds being available. There's a, a BEC topic around you know, sending W-2 copies for all employees. Uh, and then the other one that we've seen in the last few years is kind of this new client technique. Tax preparers are targeted for phishing. And this kind of leads into one of the things that is kind of new and interesting in the last few years is that um, we see these scams being initiated from accounts that are compromised. So victims of uh, email account compromise. Um, So what that'll look like uh, to a tax repair is kind of a a hijack thread discussion where a person that's seeking tax preparation has had their account compromised and then the attacker uses that content to initiate the attack essentially. And that's a little bit more advanced, a little more sophisticated that we've seen year over year. So probably worth calling out is is somewhat new this year, just because it is seen in a little bit more prevalent. So on the detection and blocking side of things, I'm curious to know kind of what you personally employ, because like, honestly, like email security is not something that we've talked a lot about on the show in the past. And Obviously, Cisco Secure has a ton of solutions for the enterprise and things like that, but just like for straight up at home, somebody who's listening to this who might be like an everyday, you know, who just uses Gmail or whatever, what are some particular solutions or defenses that you recommend folks deploy? Yeah, definitely. Um, So just to touch on that first point, like at an organizational level, I I think the main technique that I'd like to call out is just allow list hygiene. Uh, It's very common for us to have large customers that have extensive allow lists, I mean, thousands or tens of thousands of entries. And that's something that needs to be reviewed and cleaned up on a periodic basis that I don't find is happening very often. But, you know, to your, your main question there is, you know, for end users, you know, what do I do, um, you know, as an, as an individual to stay safe? And you know, generally speaking, my philosophy is that I want to stay out of as many databases as possible. Ways to do that are one thing that works well for me in like local businesses where, you know, they ask for phone numbers or email addresses in order to join rewards programs. I like to use a, an alias. I, I don't give them my real name, don't give them my real address, those sorts of things. And the the person behind the counter generally is is receptive to that. They don't particularly care uh, if you're being 100% accurate in terms of you know, joining the rewards program. So one of the best ways to do that is by having disposable email addresses. Or in case of folks that do use Gmail, there's um, a technique called plus addressing, where you can essentially have your email at gmail.com. And you can say your email plus groceries or your email plus movie tickets or your email plus any string and Gmail will handle that uh, that routing to you. And what that does is gives you some ability to track where a breach may have occurred. So you can you can look back if and when a, a breach does occur that, that does affect you, you can see which address and which context you know, that was shared. So that's a powerful one. On the, the folks that want to get a little bit more technical, uh, one of the biggest risks that uh, we face is there's basically two attack types, right? It's an email carrying an attack or an email with a malicious link. And attachments, you know, having some sort of endpoint security solution in place, whether it's Microsoft Defender or or any other security vendors, that's always a good step. Obviously, I'd champion for Cisco Secure Endpoint. But 
when it comes to investigating suspicious links, uh, the tools that I like to use are wget and dig. wget allows you to fetch the content of a page without loading it in a browser. Uh, you're allowed, you're able to do things like um, uh, user agent spoofing, things to get uh-huh. around, you know, some sandboxing techniques or some fencing techniques that attackers are using. And then dig uh, allows you to look up information in the DNS system about where you'd be going by clicking a link. So just it all kind of goes back to that um, that stop, think, connect kind of line of thinking where, you know, before clicking something that that could lead you somewhere malicious, it's important to do a little bit of investigation. And, and those are the tools that I tend to use. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show this week and talking to me about this. Anything else I, I missed on the topic or that you want to make sure you cover or just anything else that you kind of want to get out there around this time of year? Yeah, I think the the perception that there's more spam around significant events globally uh, is maybe a little outdated. So that the kind of takeaway that I want folks to have is that there's not necessarily more from a volume perspective, but it's that the risk profile of those interactions is increased. So while we may not see like obvious floods of things uh, in our inboxes, you know, being aware of the time of year, the the type of event, uh, and and that the risk of inter- of those interactions is is heightened, and that's largely driven by the tools available to attackers and sophisticated nature of attacks these days. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again, and hopefully, some folks found this helpful. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time. 